0: Hi, this is Ann Hill from Dream Talk Radio, and today I am speaking with a very dear friend of mine, Thorn Coyle, who is a teacher, uh, internationally recognized teacher, and author, most recently of *Make Magic of Your Life: Passion, Purpose, and the Power of Desire*. Thorn, welcome.
1: Thanks, Anne. Good to be here.
0: I'm. I'm. It's great to have you here. I've been uh, reading your book with great interest, and so. Let's just start the ball rolling. Why are you writing about desire?
1: I'm writing about desire because desire is the main motivator for all human activity. And I found with my spiritual direction clients and some of my students, they were really struggling with desire, struggling with feelings of um, lack of self-worth, feeling selfish if they desired something, feeling like they couldn't Ah, uh, pursue things for themselves and manifest things. And that was really shocking to me, because, you know, as you know, a large part of my work is about coming into greater self-autonomy and whole
0: right Whoops.
1: heart longing for, you know, and tapping into what our soul and heart is longing for. Is very important for our health and well-being, and to help us step towards what is our work in the world and how can we be of service.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so let's let's dial into this a little bit more. I mean, desire sounds like it encompasses a lot of things, right? There's wants and needs. Are you saying that with your students, uh, they had uh, some? Uh, difficulty differentiating between what they really needed and what they wanted. I mean, what? How would you characterize that struggle?
1: It was a combination of things that my clients and students were going through. First of all, um, I'd like to say in the book I say that desire is the place where want and need come together. Right. So it's not just I want something, and it's not just I need something. It's it's when they come together, they form something new that's really potent. Um, and helps us access more life force. So, yes, there's trouble in, I think, distinguishing between what I want and what I need. Even in language, we have trouble with that. Mm -hmm. We'll say, oh, I really need this new sweater or this dish of ice cream. It's like, well, no, you want it. And that's a great thing. (laughs) Like, just want the sweater or the dish of ice cream and go for it. And yet, when we actually need something, some of us have trouble asking for help because we don't want to feel needy and we don't want to feel like a burden to people. And so there's a bizarre combination of things happening around want and need that end up blocking us from accessing desire. Mm -hmm. So it's about self-knowledge, but it's also about weird social contracts we set up with each other that aren't really healthy.
0: Right. Okay, so, so you're talking about desire as a as a, a form of life force energy, this yes. kind of soul desire, its core central life purpose stuff, yes. right? And then the want and need are kind of these uh, these emotional states we we pass through. Is that is right. that a little is that yes. accurate? Yes,
1: yes, I think you really hit that um, correctly. Okay, and. It's interesting to me, you know, I'm thinking now of your work with dreams and wondering how want, need and desire show up in dream life, right? Mm -hmm. I think because our subconscious holds so much of that and bringing that to consciousness is part of our work.
0: Well you know it's funny you should ask Thorne because um I know this is about you but I'll just I'll just answer your question because it's fascinating how that kind of desire shows up in dreams. I mean sometimes uh, we call we talk about the bright shadow like if mm-hmm. we dream about Einstein right well we're projecting all of these qualities of genius and a breakthrough on this external figure and then our so we can have a conversation a dialogue with Einstein in our dream and and depending on how we sit in relationship to our own power that can be a a really great invigorating conversation or we can have some real negative projection about that like oh he's just full of himself and so you get to see not only the core there like yeah okay I'm tapping into what my gift is to bring to the world, but also just the layers of conditioning and stories about that.
1: Yeah, it's speaking to our discomfort at wanting and needing, and it's speaking to our discomfort around desire. Right. You know, And jealousy comes up, right, and yeah. that kind of projection you're talking about comes up, all sorts of things. Um, yeah. And so how do we get underneath all that and say, something else is going on here, how do I listen to myself better? Mm-hmm. And in the book, um, and in my practice, I go through the four powers of the sphinx right. to help us tap into deeper desires. Mm-hmm. So the power to know, the power to will, the power to dare, and then the power to keep silence, or let things rest, let things just state. Mm-hmm. And all four of those are really important in our process. Um, to help us towards desire. Because we have to know at least a little bit. We have to be able to pinpoint even desiring to desire, right? We sometimes need to step it all the way back there. Is that okay? And what's going on with that? And then, what is my action and my intention? Which is the power to will. How Mm -hmm. am I going to move forward with this even half a step? Mm -hmm. And then the power to dare is really immersing ourselves in the ocean of that desire, and simultaneously releasing attachment to what it's going to look like on the other side. Mm -hmm. Right? We can get really fixated on goals, Mm -hmm. and it's good to have goals, and it's good to know what our steps are towards the goals, but simultaneously we have to let go of the goal looking the way we think it's going to look. Because we just don't know. Because as soon as we move forward, the cosmos moves, all these other component parts move, there are other people involved, et cetera. And so we have to enter a state of trust yeah. and bring that into the silence and the mystery and back into a form of not knowing. Right. right. Well, you know,
0: I think your book does a great job of democratizing desire and purpose.
1: How and so?
0: By that I mean that you are, you are explicitly inclusive of a lot of different life paths a lot of different choices, a lot of different soul callings, right? right. And so I, what I liked about your book is that it really, I mean, in some ways you kind of sidestep the whole issue you mentioned a little bit earlier of jealousy because, right. and and correct me if I'm wrong, so what I'm seeing in, in your book is this whole, yeah, there's a broad spectrum of what we're put here to do and what we can access and uh, bring into being through our skills and talents and our practice. And the only, the the way to go about that is to focus on our own work, right? Right. So, talk about that a little bit. I mean, is there a tension, do you think, between this whole democratizing effect and also the thing wow, she's getting a lot bigger and I'm not getting bigger that quickly, that sort
1: of thing? Right. There is, um, there are so many threads and I use threads as an example a lot because we all have a thread of its own color and texture, that it's our job to weave into the larger fabric, right? right? And so all of us, all of our threads are necessary to form this fabric, and yet it's only one thread. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, it really helps me say, yes, I've got a place and I have a purpose, and on the other hand, I'm just this thread, right? So it keeps me in balance, And I'm saying that because it's really easy in doing comparison to feel like my thread is not enough. Mm -hmm. Or maybe um, I am getting bigger than my friends are and they're uncomfortable and I'm uncomfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And wow, is my thread too thick and too bright? Mm -hmm. Well, no, it's just your thread. Right. And they have their thread. And, you know, Martha Graham talks about that, that there's... An expression that only we can bring through. Mm-hmm. And without us doing that work, that is lost forever. Yeah. And the thing I found in working with clients is sometimes the stuff they do as a matter of course that really just comes from their whole personality, yeah. the skills they've developed, um, their training, their talents, and what they love, they feel it's not good enough. It's not strong enough. It's not powerful enough. It's not grand enough Mm -hmm. to be a life purpose. Hmm. Usually our life purpose is the stuff we end up doing because it's us. Right. It comes from deep inside us. And that's democratizing. Yes. Right? Because there's no way my purpose is going to ever look like yours because what you are good at and what you gravitate towards is radically different from what I'm good at and what I gravitate towards. Mm -hmm. And so often we think, wow, it's got to be this big grand thing. I have to go work with Doctors Without Borders or, you know, become a world famous painter. No, I just have to do what I love. Mm -hmm. Even when it feels like it's hard and it sucks some days, I have to just keep reorienting myself towards that. So what I say to people is don't be afraid of what feels ordinary to you. Mm -hmm. Actually follow that, pursue that, look towards that, because sometimes that's the key. Yeah, that's... uh, You know, I'm
0: just thinking of it in terms of being a message that you're putting out at this time, Right. this society, particularly here in the Bay Area, where, uh, you know, I I think we've conflated purpose and and success yeah you know it, not only just the entrepreneurial world but also the new age world has sort of said yeah if you do your purpose you will reap you know hundreds of millions of dollars when you do the ipo or when right you sell it to google or something so i, I think that so what i hear you saying is you're trying to sort of separate those strands a little bit yes. it doesn't you know somebody may be wildly successful in financial terms, but they're still feeling that hunger like what am I, I'm not even myself here.
1: Yeah, Um, I have a great example of that. A friend of mine had huge financial success um, in the tech world and you know was doing amazing work there and had his home and you know his wine collection and all this stuff and he gave it up because what he really wanted to do was shoot films for people. Mm -hmm. And it's been a struggle for him to build up his director of photography business, and yet here he is doing it, Mm -hmm. right? And he makes enough money to take care of himself now from that business. He's not as wildly successful as he was, but he's successful in a much deeper way because he's following his desire, which is to help people make movies. hmm hmm You know? Yeah. It's so he, yeah. He, had to, he had to give up what looked like success in order to follow desire, which is right. really interesting to me.
0: Well, you know, I, I think there's um and I like that you're you're so pragmatic about this stuff. I mean I'm just um thinking of this DreamWork client I had who was a young mom, 30, young, early 30s, a couple kids going through a really difficult separation, financially precarious, and kept having these dreams about uh, shamanism and, uh-huh. you know, dream, talking with shamans. And, and her take on this was that maybe she should take this up as a, as a profession and I was like, no, what are you doing? No, first you get a decent job and you make sure your kids and you have what you need and then, you know, it's more, uh, to me, it was much more a message of integration, Yes, that going through these really tough times when we're being pulled to these ridiculous extremes in our daily lives it what what we're calling for what our souls are calling for is integration of some some kind
1: I agree and integration is a really important word to me because too often even those of us that feel like we're not affected by this we're affected by the culture of transcendence Mm -hmm. right Well, if I can only lose 10 pounds Mm -hmm. or, you know, if I can only get this kind of a job or, you know, whatever, it's all pie in the sky, Mm -hmm. right? It's all about transcending our lives now rather than saying, well, no, what is my life like right now and what are my actual wants and needs and then Mm -hmm. how does my desire move in the midst of all that, Mm -hmm. right? Because our the wants and needs don't go away just because we're following desire. What happens when we follow desire, I've found in my life and in other people's lives, is when we really commit to following desire, then other things start to fall into place. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Another friend of mine works as a personal assistant in a law office. She's done this for years. She's damn good at it. And she also writes fiction every day. Mm-hmm. And step by step she's been building her writing career.
0: Right.
1: right. And that's her passion. And yet a lot of that passion also translates itself into her day job, because it has to. She's not just biding time at her day job. Mm-hmm. She's doing a really good job there too. Mm-hmm. You know, and I often say I could fulfill my soul's purpose by washing dishes in a restaurant, right? I don't think that's the best use of my skills and talents, mm-hmm. you know, so I write books and I teach and I do right. you know, my activism and all the other things I do, right. but really my work is about trying to connect with other people. Mm-hmm. And trying to draw out, well, you know, what what is your purpose and what is your work and what are your thoughts and what are your dreams? Right. And I can do that anywhere with anyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to look the way it looks now. And I didn't set out for it to look this way. This mm. was not my goal, and yet this is what following desire has built for me.
0: Oh well, I, I think that's key. That that it, when you sort out those wants and needs, uh, you know, following desire is sort of like threading that needle. Yes. Right. And yeah. and it is it's a long path. Yes. <laughs> as you and I both know. Right. Yes. And it takes it takes determination, and I think you write beautifully about that. Just that everyday practice. Yeah. Um. One other topic that I want to touch on is this idea of purpose. Uh, in relation to fate and free will. You know, how do you line up those things?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's a great question. I love that question. Um, So people think of fate as, you know, the gods are playing chess with our lives and everything is preordained and we don't really have much say in the matter. And then there's this concept of free will that, you know, we are author of our own lives, and we can do anything we want at any moment, right. and neither of those is really true. Um, I sometimes joke that we have to develop freedom, and we have to develop will, and once, we, once we've once we developed both of them, we're then in the flow of destiny, mm. which can feel less free, because we actually have fewer choices, because we've made right. the big choice, right? right? We've put down the five small cups to pick up the big cup, Yes. and That's important to remember. But it's deep freedom because we have chosen. And what we've chosen is what I call destiny. Mm -hmm. Now, some people conflate the words destiny and fate. I find it useful to separate them Mm -hmm. and say fate is preordained. But destiny is Mm -hmm. co-created. Destiny is partially we were born with certain personality traits that we also develop because of, you know, the, whatever our circumstances of growing up were. Mm-hmm. We've worked on developing talents or we've run from developing talents. Um, whatever. Whatever or our story both is. both simultaneously. Or both simultaneously, right? And when we finally choose to say, I want this and I'm going to commit some of my life energy towards this, Mm -hmm. we enter the flow of destiny, we enter that river, now that river meanders, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily a direct course, Mm -hmm. and we can shift the banks of the river, Mm -hmm. and the banks of the river also alter us simultaneously, which is why it is, it becomes this co-creation with the cosmos, Um, and so we're steering ourselves down the river but hopefully we 're also allowing everything on the banks of the river, everything in the river, to affect us, and so it 's this mutual making right when we follow desire into destiny
0: you have this this great quote, "The practice of desire is paying attention, which I love because it 's yeah. so true, um, and you see that in a lot of Uh, a a lot of biographies, a lot of pieces about people who have just found their their place, found their niche. They'll say, well, you know, I knocked on a lot of doors and this is the one that opened. Yeah. (laughs) You want to talk about
1: practice a little bit? I do. Daily spiritual practice has been important to me for many years and I ran from it for years because it's hard and it's tedious and it means I have to sit with myself and confront myself every day and I have to also confront wanting to practice and not wanting to practice and everything else. But it's really been a source of liberation for me. It was my, it enabled me to deepen my commitments. Mm -hmm. And it enabled me to know myself well enough to actually be present. Mm -hmm with the world around me, to actually be present with the person I'm having the conversation with, Mm -hmm. to actually be present with what my soul wants or what the universe is calling me to do. And that practice of presence, which is just paying attention, Mm -hmm. is what continues to help me listen better for what's next. Yeah right? People get very confused about purpose because they're confused about what's the next step. Mm -hmm. And part of the confusion is fear of taking the wrong step and making a mistake, which we need to pay attention to those fears, but we also need to let go of them a little bit, right? But there's also confusion just because we haven't slowed down enough to listen. Mm we haven't put in the practice of just paying attention to what's in front of us. The confusion starts to clear the better able we are to pay attention. Mm-hmm. So it's a gift, you know. Yes, it's a struggle, at first especially, but it becomes this abiding gift that helps us steer right. our way down the river.
0: Well, I, you know, and I think that's true of any creative pursuit. Constraint yeah. increases creativity you know right, in,
1: a, right. in that that really annoying way <laughs> yes right <laughs> that,
0: that, that's true
1: right I mean you've gone through that with music for example right. we've yeah. we've got both gone through that with writing mm-hmm absolutely yeah
0: and so here's you know um, I was reading just this morning I, 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 I uh, before I uh, set this hangout up, I, I read through the, the final ritual that you have, and something really struck me about it, you know, there's all these ways that, that to just concretize, okay, this is this is what I know is mine to do, and so you, there's this writing piece and then there's sort of inscribing it and building this intention and will around it, the candle, and then they're sitting by the candle and do, you know, incorporating this into a practice, and it really reminded me of of my own process of going through identifying what is it that's mine to do, right. and how at the beginning it was very important. I mean, literally, I I went over. A, there's this drawer in my altar, and I like a stack of of post its and little things this thick of like writing and rewriting and paring down and reframing. And just like what is it that I'm really looking for? Until yeah. the point at which there's nothing on that candle. It's just like I know. It's so aligned. And that took about two years to really... But it it was that process that you write about of let's, let's continue to go back, let's continue to refine, let's pay attention, let's see what's showing up and how that moves my desire down that river.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and part of what you're talking about that's important to bring out is... Giving ourselves space and time. Mm-hmm. You know, the overculture, especially the entrepreneurial branch of that overculture, yes. is go, 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 go all the time. Rah, 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 cheerleader. And people can start to feel like if it's not happening now, it's not good enough and it's never gonna happen. Right. Right. So we don't we think we divorce ourselves from nature, right? We don't recognize that everything has this cycle. There's the daily cycle, there's the monthly cycle, there's the yearly cycle, there's the five-year cycle. We're yeah. part of that. Yeah. And so, again, you took the time to pay attention and to keep returning right. to center and returning to asking the question and listening for the answer. Mm-hmm. And I really encourage people to give themselves that gift, mm-hmm. to just return to center Listen for the question, yes. and then listen for the answer. Right. Absolutely.
0: And and you know I think that you're. I mean you're right. We think of manifesting as this instantaneous process. Right. When it, nothing. I mean, sure. Sometimes it is. Sometimes lightning just strikes, and there you yeah. have it. But I'll. You know, ten to one. I'll say that there's there's been 10 years of of work up to that point. Right right? So it's right. not it's not
1: an instantaneous process. Right? Yeah. So um everything takes pr- everything takes practice. Yeah. And we I don't know why we think manifesting this sort of work doesn't take practice because it does. Mhm.
0: Yeah. And, 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 you know, that's part of why I like how, I mean, go back to your democratizing um, effort in this book. You know, I, I think that we sell ourselves short a lot. Yeah. You think about manifesting something, and it just seems like we're pulling something out of the other world with right. no, you know, it just seems so presumptuous. Right. But then if you actually step back and, like you say, observe what is, okay, well, I've, look at how much you've already manifested. Yep. You know, you may be a mom with little kids, look at this amazing family you're manifesting That's every right. day. And That's it really right. is a different, is a shift in perspective.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is and it's important for me, for us all to recognize that, not only for our own mental and emotional health, yeah. but for the health of this culture we're building together. Because if the only culture we keep returning to is a culture of celebrity mm-hmm. and a culture of people who feel larger than life, mm-hmm. that's not healthy for anyone, right? And that's what we're doing to ourselves when we fail to look at the things we've already manifested. Mm-hmm. and we fail to see the amazing things we've already wrought in our lives, right? right? And, you know, there's that old adage, don't compare your insides to someone else's outsides. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk about that in the book. You know, the rock star, all we see are those moments on stage. Right. We don't see the years of practice. We don't see the sense of failure and despair. We don't see the tedium of the tour bus, right. for goodness sake. Right? <laughs> and the exhaustion. And thank we goodness. Just think, right. Thank goodness. <laughs> all we see is the amazingness. Yeah. And so we think our lives don't have to feel tedious and sometimes exhausting and sometimes fabulous. Yes. It's it's all of
0: the above. You know, I think in, in some ways your book is just going to burst people's bubbles about the glamour of magic. Right. <laughs> what it, that, it's pretty much like you just took a scythe to that whole thing. <laughs>
1: <you know? laughs> They don't call me thorn for nothing. <laughs> I'm
0: telling you. <laughs> uh, you should put that on your bio. I I want to end with, uh, just on the, to, to the point you were just making, you have this great quote, for magic workers, nothing is outside the realm of practice. Do you want to just say a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, it has to do with what you just brought up, that we think that magic is going to be this instantaneous cure-all for things. And we also think that uh, we need to make magic for this fine vision of what we want our lives to be. Mm -hmm. We need to make magic where we are, Mm -hmm. with who we are, within our current circumstances. And with paying attention, and with setting will and intention into action, everything becomes a magical act, right? Mm -hmm. What is the first thing I do when I get out of bed? That's going to set the tone of my day. That is part of the magic I'm enacting. Now, do I do that with intention, or do I not do that with intention? Because we're Mm -hmm. always manifesting something. So we may as well manifest with intention, Mm -hmm. right? So I get up, I light a candle, I say a prayer, I put the kettle on, I do my meditation, then I drink my first cup of tea, right? But all of that is done with intention, so that my day is set up in such a way that I have a structure to support me, and support my desire, and support all the other tasks that I need to do, Mm -hmm. right? So, everything is included, you know? Even the days when I wake up with a cold, right? <laughs> I have to include all that too. Yeah. I don't say, oh, I need to act as though I don't have a cold and everything will just be perfect and regimented, or I don't just collapse out of my intention fully right. because I woke up with a cold, well, no. Right. What What's actually appropriate for today? Mm-hmm. What's the give and take? Mm-hmm. You know, and that includes picking the kids up from school or whatever. Whatever your life includes is part of your magic. Um, Magic and spiritual practice are not separate. Mm -hmm. Right? So we're back to integration. Right. Nice. Nice full circle. Integrate as much as possible. And bring it into the embrace. And then all of that ends up feeding... Back into desire and the flow, and manifesting what we desire. Great, lovely.
0: Thanks so much, Thorn. Um, Thorn Coyle, author most recently of "Make Magic of Your Life: Passion, Purpose, and the Power of Desire." You can read more of Thorne's writing um, on her uh, website, Thorn Coyle, dot com. Uh, anything else you want to tell people about? Are there any? Uh, web stuff going on? that uh, I, teach
1: a lot of, I teach a lot of online classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a monthly newsletter people can sign up for to stay on top of um, my work and what I'm offering. Mm-hmm. I also offer, you know, a thought for the month and things like that, so
0: Great.
1: yeah, look at the calendar and sign up for the newsletter. Alright, thanks so much, Lorna. It was lovely talking with you. Thank you, Anne. Many okay. blessings. You too.